0: Welcome back to the Built for Playmakers podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Hunt, editor of ChopChat.com. Hope you guys are doing well. We finally made it. It's game week, baby. Been waiting for this week forever. Man, there's somebody that writes about FSU every day. I can't tell you how long I've been waiting for this week. Um, And I was thinking about it earlier today, and I was like, man, how in the world did I get through COVID last year? With like really nothing to to write about, I mean, especially, especially from like April to, to like July, August. Oh my gosh. Anyway, uh, hope you guys are having a good week, man. Um, We're going to have a lot of content for you on chopchat.com, but had some news to, to drop today with FSU releasing their, their depth chart. And um, I wrote about it on the site, but wanted to kind of expound on it a little bit. And then um later on we'll go into the uh game by game predictions that I posted a few days ago and wanted to expound on those. Um sometimes, you know, when I'm writing, I try to I try to keep it real simple and not get too wordy and you know and all that good stuff because I I really hate editing all that stuff as well, but uh it's it's just easier to talk about sometimes. So we'll we'll get into that as well. But going into the Going into the the depth chart, you know, there's not too many surprises. Um, I was not surprised to see Jordan Travis or Mackenzie Milton, um, you know, there as co-starters or what have you. And I I won't be surprised to see both guys playing on a Sunday night. Although the more I think about it, you know, I was thinking about it this way. I said, man, you know, obviously Milton probably is not going to be the same player that he was Uh, at UCF and so I'm like okay he we know you know he can throw the ball but he's probably much more limited as a runner probably not going to run at all unless he just has to and then with Travis I'm thinking okay we know he could run and I was like you know how much more could he have improved as a passer compared to um you know the drop-off of Milton as a runner, if that makes sense. You know, so I'm like, you know, I, I'm thinking, okay, well, we know Milton's not going to be able to run like he used to, but Travis could have improved, uh, you know, a whole lot in this one offseason. This is the first time he's really had, you know, time to develop. You know, and I wrote, I wrote the other day about, you know, the comparison to Lamar Jackson. You know, some people just read the headline and didn't really read the actual article, you know, th- their numbers are almost identical um, as first-year starters. And really, when you look at Lamar Jackson's numbers, they are pretty much the same average-wise. You know, the only difference was Bobby Petrino realized, hey, this is my workhorse. I'm going to live or die by Lamar Jackson. I'm going to let him run the ball all the time, and i won't let him chunk it all over the field. I mean, he, he almost had, Lamar Jackson almost had as many rushing attempts in 2016 as Dalvin Cook. Think about that. The quarterback, he only had 28 less rushing attempts than Dalvin Cook. And we know how much Dalvin Cook toted the rock for FSU in 2016. You know, the averages for Lamar rushing were pretty much the same as they were his freshman year. He just ran the ball Way, way, way more. You know, he just threw the ball way, way, way more. Now, the only thing with Travis is, you know, can he sustain the workload because of his, you know, propensity to, to, you know, get hurt or get nicked up. You know, his, you know, he's put on some weight, so he may be able to withstand that. But you know, it'll be interesting to see. So I didn't think that was a far-fetched comparison when you really looked at it. Um, The comparison with Jordan Travis and Lamar Jackson. Like I said, I don't expect him to go out there and be Lamar, but. You know, there are a lot of similarities there. And with Jordan having a real offseason to develop and learn the offense, uh, you know, I'm thinking he's going to have a really good year uh, whenever he's on the field. Uh, but either way, I feel I feel good with um, either quarterback out there. Uh, running backs, Deshaun Corbin, no surprise there. Uh, good to see Treshaun Ward there, uh, you know, as the backup, you know, the former walk-on. Um, Earned earn a scholarship. You know, he's there on the depth chart. And then we have, um, in a tailback position, we have Lawrence Toy Philly. You know, that's somebody that we haven't, I mean, you hear his name, but you didn't just hear it like every day uh, from the coaching staff, like, oh, he's flashing, you know, he's doing that. Or um, he look, you know, it's more so like, you know, he was just there and he, I guess he did what he was supposed to do, and, you know, and so he's a starter at tailback. And you, so what you can expect from Toy Philly, um, you know, you look at him as more of a, a guy that can flex out, catch balls out of the backfield. You know, I'm sure you know they may put him in motion. Um, whereas Corbin to be more of the guy that you know carries the ball, you know between the tackles and you know gets the tough yardage and things like that. And the guy Ja'Kai Douglas, as a backup to Toy Philly, and I guess they're putting him in, him in that role was a you know slash receiver slash running back. But I thought he had made the move to to full receiver but I guess they are um and it could be because a couple guys are in the wide receiver unit um you know I don't know if they're heard or, or what have you but um I guess they feel like they, they can make better use of him there then you got DJ Williams there you know um, he flashed there late in camp so uh, you know that's good you know that he's uh listed as the or backup to tour affiliate um wide receivers Keyshawn Helton everybody Uh, raves about how good he looks how he's fully healthy now after the injury he suffered in 2019 i think he's you know he was dependable when he was healthy so that's a that's a great sign darian williamson is a a guy that you know flashed you heard the coaches you know talking him up there through fall camp so it's good to see him uh, on the depth chart Uh, Ontario wilson as a starter with burrell as the backup you know no surprise there really well you know, it was good to see Burrell as a backup. I mean, you know, he was an earlier, earlier uh, enrollee, and uh, he flashed in camp, and so you know, he earned a spot there. Um, and we know that uh, Wilson can be uh, dependable and productive if he can stay healthy. That's the biggest thing with him. Injuries have have limited him uh, the last couple of years. When he's healthy, he's a dependable, you know, good dependable college wide receiver. Andrew Parchment, starter, you know, transfer from Kansas. No surprise there. Um, Malik, Malik McLean as the backup, um, or um, Kentron Portier. Solid, solid uh, group right there. Um, as long as they can stay healthy, I think the wide receiver unit is going to be better than we thought it was going to be going into um, fall camp. I, I think we have some, you know, some good experienced uh, upperclassmen with some underclassmen with a lot of potential. Um, The biggest thing with the underclassmen is going to be, you know, experience and consistency. And it sounds like, especially McLean, he really has been consistent uh, in his approach uh, day-to-day, stacking good days on top of one another. So, you know, that's a good sign. Cameron McDonald um, and, you know, Le- listed as a starter at tight end with Jordan Wilson as the backup. You know, I expect we're going to see both of those guys. Um, McDonald's more the, the receiving threat. And, and FSU needs him to have a, a breakout season this year. Um, he's too, too inconsistent um, last year. You know, he, he would make some some plays every now and then, and then he would just disappear. And he's not much of a blocker, which that's just, you know that's where Jordan Wilson comes into play. Um, and he'll definitely be effective in the in the running game and also whenever they run two tight end sets out there um you know that can you know when they run rpos that can um that can put um, some stress on the defense um especially the linebackers um put them in conflict so uh you know i think the the tight end group here is better than it was last year definitely um, i mean we had a walk on out there catching passes against north carolina so um in in res- respect to um Preston Daniels. You know, he gave it his all, but the tight end room uh, se- seems to have a, a, a little more uh depth and, and talent this year. The offensive line, I really like this unit. I like this unit if they if they can stay healthy. You got Robert Scott, left tackle. Dylan Gibbons beats out Dante Lucas. The transfer from Notre Dame beats out Dante Dante Lucas. Um you know maybe Maybe that a light of fire under Dante Lucas, and you know he he can get his head in the right space. I uh, saw he's listed at three thirty five. It's probably a little too heavy too, so that's that's not a good sign. Um, Mari Smith at center, you know he was solid last year. Um, he's the best snapper uh, on the team, which that's been an issue in fall camp. Not so much for him, but if he, you know if he gets hurt, you know they're gonna be in trouble there. Um, Smith, you know. He's 280 there, you know, so he's going to have trouble anchoring, but he's athletic and, you know, he can move and, uh, you know, as far as the running game goes. Um, Dante Love Taylor at right guard. I I like that. You know, that puts him at a more natural position. Um, And then you have Darius Washington at at right tackle, Um, which, you know, when he's healthy, uh, Washington has has flashed and and shown some promise. Um, but what is kind of surprising here in this unit, um, and you hear Mike Norvell talk about this in the press conference on Monday night, he feels like they have eight or nine guys that will be able to contribute on the offensive line in 2021. Eight or nine guys that can contribute. So you have the five starters there. Um, like I said, you have Lucas as a backup who has experience. Babyon Johnson is a backup at center and at right guard who has experience. Brady Scott is a backup at right tackle who has experience. Um, the only question mark would be Lord Willis, who has virtually no experience, uh, had a, a lot of physical potential. It's just it's just about the reps for him. Um, but the scary part is, you know, he's he's listed as the the backup at left tackle. Um, so, you know, we'll we'll see how how that shakes out. Um, so the offense, I feel pretty good about the offense. Um, you know they're going to have improved quarterback play. Uh, running backs going to be solid. You know the wide receivers. I'm st- I still just need to see them in action. Um, Tight end, we pretty much know what we have there with with McDonald and Wilson. The offensive line, though, I'm 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 excited to see those guys perform. And you know whenever they begin the season last year with the the five starters that they had, they were they were pretty solid until Devontae Love Taylor got hurt. You know, and then you know the injuries mounted and you know, it is what it is. But it looks like they have, you know, at least a set rotation of uh, seven or eight guys, you know, maybe nine guys that they could withstand maybe one injury, maybe, you know, we'll see. But moving on to the defensive side of the ball, I really like, I really like our starters on the defensive front. Uh, You got Jermaine Johnson there, you know, you know what he brings to the table. Well, we hope we know what he brings to the table. You know, if he's as advertised, then uh, that will be an upgrade over um, last year at defensive end, Marcus Cushney, the other transfer from Alabama a and I like him. I liked him as a take. I think he can help um, give you some val- valuable reps off the bench. Dennis Briggs Jr. with a start. I'm a huge fan of Dennis Briggs Jr. I think he's going to do um, big things. You know, they they let him break the rock. To uh, symbolize the end of fall camp, and then you have, which kind of was a surprise, Jarrett Jackson or Joshua Farmer as the backups to Briggs. Um, Jarrett Jackson's the transfer from Louisville, has physical ability. You know, it's all about you know the right, I think, mindset with him. You know, Joshua Farmer, I think, I think Joshua Farmer is going to be. He's gonna be a player, man. This kid has come in as an early enrollee, you know, put on a lot of good weight, has a has a crazy work ethic. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about him, and I'm rooting for him. He you know, he comes from just a just a you know, man. He's going through a lot, and so to to see him where he is now, it's, it's a great thing to see. And I think I think he'll continue to to get better and, and eventually become a player. Then you have um, Fabian Lovett at the other DT spot. Or Robert Cooper, uh, I'm I'm not surprised by that at all. Cooper is a guy that I don't know, man. You know, he's a four-star blue chip. You know, he he did a lot of work in reshaping his body, and he's he's been effective in there, you know, taking space. But I think Love it gives you the ability to to wreak havoc uh, and, and get penetration. You know, we need those splash plays behind the line of scrimmage and things like that, and that's something that FSU's been missing big time um, on the defensive front, you know, collapsing that pocket in the middle and the pressure, the pressure you put on quarterbacks that come up the middle is a lot greater than pressure that comes from the side. You know, that's why when you hear, you know, sometimes analysts, you know, you see pressure coming from the ends and you see the quarterbacks, you know, say step up in the pocket. Well, if the DTs, if they're, if they're collapsing the pocket up front, there's nothing to step up into. There's no pocket. Right. And so, I think that's what um, that's the difference between Cooper and Lovett, and then you have Malcolm Ray there as the backup. You know, Malcolm Ray is a player that you know coming from South Florida. um, You know, a lot of a lot of people liked him down there. He just hasn't he just hasn't had an opportunity really to um, to show what he can do. Um, Maybe he'll be able to to steal some reps in uh, in different games this year. Uh, Kier Thomas at the Fox Roll was a starter with Quayshon Fuller. Or Derek McClendon uh, as the backups. You know, Kier Thomas is is experienced player. I think I think he's going to be good in that role. Um, better better than what they had last year. You know, if he can stay healthy, then, that's going to be, be the biggest the biggest thing with him. Then we move to uh, Amari Gaynor as stud, with a surprise, Jadarius Green McKnight Knight as the backup. And McKnight just made this move within the last couple of weeks. You know, he he was brought in. Um, as a safety, um, but I thought I thought he was a bit undersized at safety. He's only listed at 5'11", five eleven, two eighteen, um, but he he has good speed. You know, obviously coming from the safety position, and so you know that he could be valuable, more valuable there than he would be at safety, especially when you're talking about you know playing in coverage uh, in the linebacker role and things like that. Uh, but Amari Gaynor is good to see that they have hopefully found a spot with him. He'll be close to the line of scrimmage. He always has a nose for the ball. I mean, he's been one of the leading tacklers for the Noles um, over the last couple of years. And last year, you know, he was, the I think, the leading tackler, and there were times when he wasn't even on the field because they didn't know exactly what to do with him. Uh, Kalen Deloach gets the linebacker start with Cortez Andrews, which is the – Maryland transfer, who's originally from Tallahassee. Um, Kalen Deloach is going to be a guy that uh, can play well in coverage, um, and they, they like him. You know, Deloach has flashed in, in fall camp. You know, he, he flashed last fall, and and um, started the beginning of the year and kind of just fell off. Um, but, you know, heard, heard a lot of good things about him, and they're going to need him uh, in this role to excel. Um, if if this linebacker group is going to be you know have any improvement whatsoever, and I guess the other surprise at linebacker is uh, DJ Lundy getting the nod over Steven Dix Jr. Both guys played um, you know snaps last year. Steven Dix Jr. played a lot of snaps, and but the name we kept we kept hearing in the fall camp was DJ Lundy. You know DJ Lundy, six one two fifty five. You know he's like one of those you know. <laughs> chip off the old block linebackers from back in the, back in the nineties, a former wrestler. Um, and he's talked about how he uses, you know, some of his wrestling moves on the football field, you know, as far as getting leverage and shedding blocks and things like that. Um, and he can actually move, you know, f- to be that big, you know, he can move pretty well. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what he'll do, especially with Notre Dame, um, with their offensive line and, and those two running backs that they have, you know they, they, he's gonna meet them in the middle, um, or they are gonna meet him in the middle, and we're, we're gonna see what's up uh, between between those those uh, matchups. Then moving into the secondary, and I I, I really like the secondary, um, Jamie Robinson at the nickel um, with Kevin Knowles as the backup. Uh, you know Robinson is very experienced from South Carolina. Um, you, you need you need we needed to get him on the field, um, and Knowles. Seems like he's gonna be he's gonna be a player f- for for the nose, <laughs> people that word play. Um so I, I feel I feel good about the nickel position. Um, Travis Jay and Brownlee at the cornerback spots. You know, Jay was um, playing safety and and dealing with injuries and, and things like that, and they moved him over to um and I guess he'll probably play the boundary corner. Um, since he's probably a bit more physical um, and bigger than uh, Brownlee, but both of those guys are dogs. Dogs, you know. I mean, that's what you want. You want a guy that wants to go out there and make a play, who's physical. You know, they, you probably you're probably gonna get some penalties. You probably just go ahead and prepare yourself. You're probably gonna get some penalties from those two. But I would rather see that than those guys out there playing patty cake and um, you know just giving free releases off the line of scrimmage and and all that good stuff. You know, we need some dogs out there. And so you got two of them on the corners. Then you got Akeem Dent who's made the move from cornerback to safety. And uh, from all accounts, Dent has had a good camp. Um, You know, he had an atrocious last year. I mean, he like gave up. I think they completed like almost 100% of the passes, you know, that went his way. But he seems to have a lot of confidence now with the move um, to safety, and uh, then you have Brendan Gant. Gant is a name that, man, I, I think I may have heard it camp once or twice, but he kind of just flew under the radar. And you know, and as the season went on last year, he actually played, you know, pretty well. You know, he had the interception, uh, you know, against Duke, and I think he caused a fumble against Duke's quarterback, which helped turn the tide there back towards the nose favor in the second half. You know, so, um, you know, he's playing the buck roll there. Um, Then the backups to Gant at the buck roll are Sidney Williams and Shaheen Brown. And Brown is a freshman who the coaches have raved about, you know, in in camp. And it seems like every time uh, Adam Fuller posted a mission takeaway on Twitter, you saw Shaheen Brown's, you know, picture. And it was like, wow, you know, this kid could be a player. Um, listed at 6'2", 205 pounds. And, and Sydney Williams is a guy that, you know, really didn't expect to play the much last year. As he was one of the late additions in the recruiting class prior to last year. Uh, but with injuries and, and all of the, the young guys getting time, he actually uh, was out there and, and made made a few plays. Um, and I didn't mention the um, – I was kind of jumping around. The uh, backups to Akeem Dent, Ronaldo Green, and Jarquez McClellian. And McClellan is the – Transfer from South Carolina and he's been virtually invisible all fall camp and you haven't heard a lot from green And I think green may have been nicked up um, for part of fall camp and might have been battling with some injuries or whatnot Um, so, you know green is uh, an experienced player and McClellan, um, actually came from, uh, I think arkansas Um, then we have uh, miko dotson as the backup to uh, Jarvis brownlee jr. Miko dotson wasn't healthy is a player. Um, we saw that against North Carolina last year. Um, of course, he got hurt, and as soon as he got hurt, it seemed like their passing attack just just took off. Even when they made plays against him in the Carolina game, they were like extraordinary plays. You know, I mean, they had to work to, to make the catch. He was in good position, and that's that's what you want. And then going back up to um, the backup. Well, he's listed as an or as Jerry and Jones, but I expect Jay to get the start because Jerry and Jones has been dealing with a hand injury. I think the last couple weeks in camp, Jerry and Jones, you know, he said he played hurt most of last year; he wasn't very good. Um, but um, the coaches have liked what they've seen from him uh, in fall camp, and you know, if he's healthy, I mean, he, you know, he could be a player. Um, so overall, overall, I like, I like this depth chart, this seems like, you know, you want to get the best 11 on offense and the best 11 on defense, um, you know, out there. And I I think they did that. I think they did that for the most part. Um, They're going to special teams. You know, we have uh, Ryan Fitzgerald. Looks like he won the kicking battle um, over a, um, growth house. And then we, we already knew that um, Alex Mastermano was going to be the punter. And he had a really good year. Last year's a true freshman who had never played, um, you know, organized uh, football. Really, you know, coming from Australia. So I thought I thought that was big time, Um, and I expect him to to you know have a good year this year as well. Um, You know, so so that's the um, that's the depth chart, man. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. I think the coaches did a a good job. You know, having the actual fall to. you know, assess players, you know, their strengths and weaknesses and, you know, putting them in different positions and seeing where they best fit. I think, you know, we'll really see that uh, play out this year um, with guys, with coaches understanding what guys can and can't do. And then they'll probably be able to adjust their play calls based on those factors. OK, um, so I'm going to go ahead and move on to the uh, game by game predictions um, post that I um, wrote uh, I think that was Sunday. And I'm recording this Monday night by the way. So if you're driving on the way to work or you're at work on your lunch break or what have you, um, I do appreciate you taking the time to, to listen, um, spread the word, um, retweet us on Twitter. If you're not following the podcast podcast on Twitter, you can follow us. We're um, uh, at built for playmakers. You can search us and find us on there, um, follow us, and um, subscribe, download, all the good stuff. But I'm going to go ahead and get into the um, predictions. So, um, of course, we have Notre Dame on Sunday, and I cannot wait for this game. I cannot wait to see the, the crowd. I can't wait to see um, Chief Osceola and Renegade. Um, just the atmosphere, you know. I mean, we've been waiting for real college football for forever. I mean, I watched some of the the uh, Illinois and Nebraska game. <laughs> and what's up with Scott Frost? Oh, my gosh. Oh, man, they are awful. And then the quote he had about um, as soon as Illinois line up and whatever defense they line up in, he said that half of, <laughs> half of his playbook was gone and thrown out the window. I cannot believe he said that. I mean, that's, whew, wow, that's crazy. But, um, you know, that game wasn't very good, but it was good to see it on TV, um, football, uh, I should say. But I think I think Sunday's going to be great, man. Um, the only game in town, only game on TV, the stadium's going to be rocking. Noah Nation, you, if you're going to be at the game, you got to be on your feet all four quarters. Uh, the team's going to need you. Um, you know, I wanna be able to hear I wanna be able to hear the war chant on TV, you know, and feel like I'm there. Um I know they were able to do it last year but only about twenty thousand in the stands So I know seventy thousand or eighty thousand, you know, I know I know it's gonna be rocking, but um, you know, FSU's the underdog coming to this game, the last um, betting line I saw was about um seven and a half with the over-under at 56 uh, points, which implies uh, a Notre Dame win of something like 31 to 24. And, you know, there's a lot of question marks um, uh, about this game. Um, New quarterback for Notre Dame, and I'm not going to go too much into it because I'm going to probably do a podcast later this week, um, you know, just kind of detailing the – kind of strategies and what FSU needs to do and all that good stuff. But new quarterback for Notre Dame, uh, new offensive line. They lost two of their top receivers. Um, They lost a couple guys on defense. They got a new defensive coordinator. And by the way, Mike Novell has faced this defensive coordinator twice. Um, They played – he was the defensive coordinator in Cincinnati in 2019 when Mike Novell was the head coach in Memphis and, of course – Memphis had to face Cincinnati um, two weeks in a row. And um, one was like the final, um, the regular season finale. And then that meant they both had to match up in the, um, the conference. I think it was American, whatever the conference was, their championship game. So uh, Mike Novell um, averaged almost 200 yards rushing in both of those games. Now, I'm going to tell you why that's important. It's it's one thing it's one thing to, to to do it the first time you play somebody, but then when you play them again, a week later they they've seen you know most of the things you're gonna do, to be able to now there was a, a drop off you know, a little bit of drop off, but Mike Novell's team still averaged um, almost four and a half yards per, per carry, and they had almost two hundred yards on the ground again. So I think I think you're going to see a, a steady dose of FSU's running game, um, especially if Jordan Travis is in the game. Um, you know, so a lot of question marks for Notre Dame, um, but you could say the same thing for FSU. Um, you know, who's going to be the starter quarterback? You know, will the offensive line be able to hold up? Um, will the wide receivers be able to get um, separation in the passing game? You know, can FSU stop the run? Uh, you know Notre Dame pretty much ran it down their throat last year. I mean, they could have told them, "Hey, I'm running off tackle to the right," and they couldn't stop it. Um, you know, so you know, will will FSU be able to stop the run and get pressure on their quarterback in predi- uh, predictable passing situations? That is that is the key to the game. Because I think I think FSU is going to score some points the question is, you know, are they gonna be able to get stops on defense? Um, you know, so but, you know, I think I think it's probably I would not I would not be surprised, you know, if FSU won I'm not expecting it, but I wouldn't be surprised. Okay, so I had I had uh Notre Dame winning this one. I think FSU would be competitive with them and Notre Dame will probably win by a touchdown Maybe two touchdowns. I mean, you know, maybe they'll score or a late touchdown uh, to put them up two scores. You know, something like that. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout, and that's exactly what FSU needs uh, with all of the all of the um, recruits that'll be in attendance. You know, I tweeted about it um, on Monday. You know, they have a who's who list of t- uh, 2022 recruits that'll be in the building, targets, commits, but they have they have some. Some top notch guys uh, from Georgia coming in the class of two two thousand and twenty three and twenty four. Kenyatta Watson has has those guys coming from Georgia, and that's that's just a handful that that said they were coming over the past couple of days. So if you can get those guys on campus to see see the atmosphere that FSU can produce in prom time against a team like Notre Dame, you know that's going to go a, a long way. And recruiting those guys, and because those are those are the type of guys that FSU needs uh, in the in the future classes to to be able to eventually catch and surpass you know Clemson and Georgia and and all the all of those uh, type teams. So hopefully hopefully they can keep it close, and um, you know move into uh, the next week when they'll host um, Jacksonville um, State. Uh, at Doak, at night at 8 o'clock. So you have two night games to open up the season at Doak. And, you know, Jacksonville State jumped out on FSU last year. Um, I think that was the game that FSU started um, Tate Rodemaker, and he threw the pick six, like, on his first throw of the game or something like that. And that was a game that Jordan Travis, you know, emerged as the starter. And, and if it wasn't for him, I don't know if we come back and win that game, truthfully. Um, it, it wasn't looking good at all. But this but this will be a game that, you know, FSU, you know, should win big and this'll be you'll hear this as we go through the podcast, but this will be an opportunity for those younger players that that need uh experience, they need the reps. Hopefully this is where they'll be able to get that in the second half when FSU's up, you know, three touchdowns or more. Um, so, you know, although although you'll look at Jacksonville State on the on the schedule and say, hmm. Eh. It's Jacksonville State. This is a really important game um, for FSU uh, and, and the young guys to uh, establish, you know, to, to continue to establish, you know, that culture of um, you know everybody playing together, you know, developing and um, you know gaining experience, so that when they face teams later in the year, they won't look like freshmen out there. Um, but I think um, FSU wins this one, you know, pretty much going away. I had a 49-17. Um, I don't quite trust Adam on defense shit, So, I'm, you know, they, they may get a, a garbage touchdown or something. So that's why I gave them 17. So one and one coming out of the first two games. And then we get to September 18th at Wake Forest. And my birthday is September 17th. And I can tell you that my birthday does not have a great track record with FSU in games that. You know, we, you know, we need them to win. Um, thinking back to um, Oklahoma in 2011, you know, we lost that one. But the one that hurt the most was um, Louisville 2016. Watching FSU get demolished on my birthday might have been, might have been one of the most disappointing things ever. And then the crazy thing is, that year my wife got me FSU tickets to see them play uh, against North Carolina in Tallahassee. And do you know, I drove all the way to Tallahassee to see FSU choke at home and lose on a game winning field goal against North Carolina, bro. That hurt me, boy. That hurt me. And the bad part about it was my brother-in-law, uh, went, went with me to the game and he's a North Carolina fan. And so I had to go come all the way back to North Carolina driving and, and hear his mouth. So anyway, hopefully, hopefully, um, it's not exactly on my birthday, but you know, it seems like anytime we have a game near my birthday, birthday is not a good, it's not a good thing, but you know, we'll see. But this is the most important game on the schedule um at Wake Forest. And, um, I mean, this is a this is going to be a great measuring stick. You know, if FSU comes out there and they struggle with Wake Forest, then you probably can go ahead and write it down that they are going to struggle with the other teams on the back half of the schedule. Well, not even the back half. I mean, you're talking about the next game against Louisville. Um, this is a game FSU has to win if they expect to to make a bowl. In my opinion, I mean, if you can't be, if you can't beat Wake Forest at home, I mean, their defense is defense is terrible. Um, you know, and I think back, I'm like, man, as bad as, as FSU was under Willie Tacker in 2019, FSU went to Winston-Salem and basically gave them the game with multiple turnovers, missed field goals, and still had a chance to win the game, but ultimately, you know, they lost. But, you know, Wake Forest's offense averaged 36 points, you know, per game last year. You know, they, they're going to run the, the up-tempo fast, you know, try to – you know, the Kendall Brown, Kendall browse you to death, you know, get you out of position and all that good stuff just by not lining up correctly, but their defense allowed 33 points per game, you know, so this is a game I think if can win in the trenches, um, you, you know, I think, you know, they can stop the run and um, make make work for us quarterback had to put it in the air. And I think if will be able to run it on them, just run it down their throats and just, just gradually, Gradually wear them down, but I like I like FSU uh, in the in the Wake Forest game. Um, you know I got them winning a the close one. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see FSU you know pull away late, um, but I like FSU to win that one, and I have them at two and one going into the Louisville game. Now that's on September 25th, and a lot of people look at the Louisville game from last year and say, "Oh my goodness, you know Louisville rolled FSU. I think it was 48-16 or something like that." And just automatically assume that FSU has no shot. I know a lot of rival fans would do that. But yeah, Louisville lost some guys on offense. And I think I think last year's loss against Louisville was more so with how how badly FSU was, um, more so than how good Louisville was. I mean, Jordan Travis, you know, he got hurt. He didn't play in the second half. You know, defense couldn't get a stop for, for nothing. They missed tackles. Um, I mean, I'm talking about, like, tackles that that you shouldn't miss at all behind the line of scrimmage. And, you know, it, it just seemed like it was a snowball effect, and those guys just lost confidence. You know, that was a game that the, the receivers, you know, they couldn't catch ten balls if you threw, them, threw it to them. You know, but, um, you know, uh, Scott in you know, Saddlefield, you know, flirting with, with, with South Carolina in the offseason, um, coupled with Louisville, you know, missing some, missing some guys from last year. I think the momentum of winning against Jacksonville State and 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 hopefully Wake Forest gives the Knoll some confidence. You know, whenever you, whenever you have confidence, you know that that changes things. Um, you know, and so I think if if, if FSU um, you know goes into the Louisville game with some confidence, you know it's at home. Um, you know, and Santafield likes to run the ball a lot. So if you stop, if you can stop the run against Louisville, you know you can you can you know you can beat them. So. I'm, I'm going to go with, with FSU to also beat Louisville in a close one. I, I got it thirty-one twenty-seven. 27 I like FSU there, especially if they beat Wake Forest. If they lose against Wake Forest, then you probably will have to count this one as an L also. Uh, but I'm going 3-1, 3-1, three wins, one loss. Um, and then they will take on Syracuse the next week. And Syracuse is a game that FSU should win. FSU is more talented. Uh, Syracuse, you know, their offensive line is trash. Um, I don't even know who they have at quarterback. Uh, Dino Babers is on the hot seat. Um, you know, it's a home game. FSU is a more talented team. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, spend too much time on on Syracuse. I mean, they only uh, averaged 18 points on offense last year and allowed 33 points uh, per game, you know, this is this is a game. If FSU should win, this is a game. Um, some of the young, younger players should get some time uh, in conference play as they prepare um, for the season later on. Um, so, FSU thirty-eight uh, twenty. They lose this one, then, you know, it's hey, I don't even know what to call it at that point. But this is a game they should win. So I got FSU at four wins and one loss as they head into the showdown against North Carolina. And the game is at North Carolina. and So, you know, this is a game that Mac Brown and those guys have circled since last year when FSU ran them out the building in the first half and then, you know, held on into the second half to to secure the upset. And a lot of people forget in this game that FSU got the ball first in the second half and ran right down North Carolina's throat you know, and got down to like the three yard line and they had a tackle for a loss. So they were on like, so it was like second down and goal at like the six. And then Dante Lucas got a stupid um, personal foul penalty and pushed them back to like, it was like third and goal from the 20. And uh, of course they didn't score a touchdown and they wound up kicking a, a, a chip shot field goal, which of course we missed. And, you know, and and then with the way FSU was, you know, mentally fragile, that just opened the floodgates and, you know, North Carolina got a little momentum. And then once the team got momentum against FSU uh, in years past, then you just knew what was going to happen. So, but if, if FSU scores a touchdown there, I think they blow North Carolina out. This is a game that I don't expect FSU to win, but. This is a game I would not be surprised if they won, especially if they are better on defense. Um, you know, North Carolina lost; they lost some guys. Um, they lost, I think, both of their running backs. You know, they still have Sam Howell, so you know they're going to put up some points. But although although North Carolina, you know, has a good coaching staff, you know they don't they don't have like absolute difference makers on. On defense and so you know we saw we saw what FSU did to them last year uh, on offense so this is a game that I'm going to pick North Carolina to win uh number one just because I don't want to sound like a homer but (laughs) but um I would not be surprised if FSU won this game but I got them losing 37 30 high score and a fair it's a real game you know those guys are going to be amped up and um you know FSU is bound to come into a game flat. You know they may look at it and say, "Oh, you know we beat those guys last year," um, and just you know, you know they may have you know they they've beaten you know the last um, you know uh, four four teams, and you know they may go in that game overconfident. Who knows? But either way, I got I got uh, North Carolina taking this one. Um, so FSU's record stands at four and two. Uh, and then there's a bye week and then FSU will host UMass, and this game couldn't come at a, at a better time, um, not to prepare for the game afterwards or anything like that, but just because you have a tough game with North Carolina, and then you have a tough game, you know, against uh, Clemson the following week, but Walt Bell returns to Tallahassee, you know, in all of his glory with the one year that he was with Willie Taggart and, you know, Tallahassee, and, you know, he's the reason that Sam Howell wound up at North Carolina for the most part. And, you know, so we just need to give him a thorough uh, butt kicking. That program is awful. Um, I think that that team, the, the fake team that just played IMG on ESPN, I think they, <laughs> they might give UMass a room for the money, no lie. But um, they only averaged three points last year on offense in four games. They averaged three points, and they allowed 40 points per game. So, again, this is another opportunity for the young guys to get some valuable reps to to build that, you know, build that depth and continue to develop as a, as a program. Um, you know, so I'm not going to spend too much time on UMass, but this is a this is a dub that gives FSU five wins on the season and two losses as they head into uh, Clemson. And so this is on the eve of Halloween. You know, Dabo Sweeney has his game circle since last year, whenever he brought a player that had tested positive to, for COVID to tally, which resulted in the cancellation of the game. Of course, he didn't want to take the uh, responsibility for that. And of course, you know, he tried to make it sound like FSU was scared to play, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, Clemson is the more talented team. You know, there's no denying that, you know, they're, (laughs) they're going to have a vendetta out on, on that holiday, Halloween Eve Um, I think FSU probably hangs with Clemson for a quarter, maybe the first half, because I'll tell you what, if you go back and think, man, FSU held Clemson scoreless in the first quarter of the 2018 game. That is like one of the most unreal things ever that I can, that I can think of 2018 FSU held Clemson scoreless in the first quarter of that game, you know, as so, you know, I think FSU hanging with Clemson for a quarter half isn't out of the rim possibility, but they probably they probably pull away big time big time in the second half because, you know, Dabo, he's I'm sure he's not gonna call off the dogs. He's gonna try to make a statement statement against FSU as many times as he can because he knows that it's not gonna be like this always. So I had um Clemson winning this one 49-20. You know, some people may say Clemson will put up more than 49, and they may, but you know, I'm looking at it too. Mike Norvell can play a little bit of keep away if he just looks at you know running the ball, you know, killing you know, killing some clock, um, you know, almost basically playing keep away from Clemson's offense. So that's kind of why I'm going a lower score for Clemson, um, but it, I would not be shocked if they dropped 50 plus either. So I got 49 20 Clemson winning that one. FSU's record at 5-3, and three, heading into um, the uh, November 6th game as a um, host NC State. And NC State's a tricky team. Now, last year they lost their quarterback, and then they had uh, former uh, FSU quarterback or backup quarterback Bailey Hockman. Um, Hockman came, um, or actually he got revenge against FSU last year because <laughs> FSU's boys put a beating on him. In 2019, when he came back to Tallahassee. But um, this was the game that um, freshman Chubber Purdy got his first career start. And, um, you know, he looked like a freshman in the first half, but he actually showed some flashes in the second half. So, you know, that was good. Um, but, uh, you know, NC State will get their quarterback um, back. I think his name is Devin Leary. He's actually not bad. Um, he doesn't do a lot of, he doesn't do a lot of, um, it's more like, I think I wrote – I said it's um, death by 1,000 cuts. You know, they're not going to – I think they averaged like five and a half yards per play last year. But, again, that was – some of that was with him. Some of it wasn't. But um, it, it's, this game is going to come down to quarterback play, in my opinion. Uh, FSU probably is going to have to throw it in this game. Um and, you know, we'll see, we'll see who, who the starting quarterback is um, by the time, you know, NC State rolls to town. But NC State typically doesn't play well in Tallahassee. You know, it's almost like the inverse of FSU going up to Carter Finley in Raleigh. Um, you know, but in, in the essence of, of being being conservative in my in my predictions and, you know, not sounding like a homer, I, you know, FSU is not going to win every close game that they play this year. I mean, we would love that it happened, but the odds of that happening are, are slim to none. So I, uh, I gave the win to NC State here. I got it 30-27, and that brings FSU's um, record to 5-4 and four as they um, play Miami the following week. And look, it's a rivalry game. Miami has thrashed FSU in you know, the last couple of years. The first two games, FSU gave it to them, you know, the last year with Jimbo, uh, we gave them that game. Um, the first year with Willie, we gave them that game. After being up big, that game still pisses me off. But I don't think Miami is as good as everybody thinks they are. Um, they only beat one ranked team last year, and they barely beat them. I think that was NC State. Um, you know, they had, um, you know, Derrick King, you know, he pr- pretty much saved their offense. You know, he's back. But these guys play Bama the first game of the year. You know, they're probably going to get rolled, um, especially with them yapping like typical Miami, you know, players and fans do. And you got guys out here making videos and garbage videos of that. Um, you know, so who knows how that first game against Bama will affect their entire season. You know, they, you know, they might just – they might go out there and get smashed and – just lose the next two or three, you know, who who knows. But they always seem to get up for FSU because we know that FSU is their Super Bowl. You know, so but this is an interesting game. Um, you know, this game can go a lot of different ways and because it's so late in the season, it just man, it could it just depends, you know, FSU is not a deep team. Injuries could could be um, a factor by this point in the season. Um, you know, especially um, on the offensive line. Uh, could be a quarterback, you know. It just depends, you know. So, I, I mean, I would I would give a lot of things for FSU to win this game. I, I'm ready to see this streak end for or losing streak to. I'm ready to see this losing streak to, to Miami end. Um, and I'm, man, I would love for them to to. I would love for FSU to win this game, but I'm just not sure if they'll have enough firepower. Um, it's possible. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that they have no shot to win this game. Um, it just depends. This is this is one of those games. If they have if they had some momentum going into it, some confidence, I would I would probably pick them. But uh, I'm gonna give Miami. I'm gonna give Miami the close the close um, three point win, 34-31, um, putting FSU's overall record at five and five, meaning FSU has to win one of the next two games to reach a bowl. Which brings me to the most overrated team on FSU schedule, Boston College. A lot of people love Boston College. I don't see it. I don't. I don't. I have no idea why people like Boston College so much. I know. I know they had a first year coach and they won six games and yada yada yada. Well, they won six year, six games the year before that. You know, and FSU beat them the year before that, and FSU beat them in 2018. So Boston College, you know, lost to two Willie Taggart teams. And I get it, you know. They got a new coach, and you know, their quarterback is decent, you know, but he's he's not anything special, you know. And their defense is garbage, garbage. I mean, they gave up they gave up like thirty points, thirty some points a game last year, you know. So FSU is going to score points on them. Basically, you know, it's going to be, you know, if FSU's defense can get stops, so, and I and I believe they will, you know, especially if they if they can stay healthy. Um, and, um, you know, not, not losing any starters. Um, so I like FSU in this game. I know it's on the road, um, but you know, I mean, it's not like Boston College is going to, going to Clemson or anything. And FSU has won on the road up there before. Um, it's not, it's not Carter Finley or anything like that. Um, FSU is a more talented team overall. Um, even with all of the transfers and all that good stuff, you know, I don't think Boston College has over 20 blue chips on their roster. Um, FSU does have that, so I'm going with FSU winning this one. Um, I got 31-27. I'm not sure what the what the the over/under would be at that point, but you know, I, I always I always lean to both teams scoring points since both defenses were not very good last year. But I have FSU being bowl eligible with this win. I have them at six and five. Um, going into the the, the game um, at Florida, you know the re- regular season finale, um, who knows what each team will look like? you know Florida's replacing um, you know their Heisman contender even though they lost four games with with him at, at quarterback. Um, you know Emory Jones doesn't impress me. Um, their defense was garbage last year although they were pretty good the year before that, so I don't know. That could have been COVID COVID influence. You know, who knows? But, um, you know, I would love for FSU to win this game. And as corny as Dan Mullen is as a person, you know, he's pretty good at X's and O's and scheming up plays. And, you know, man, it's just hard for me to pick. It's just hard for me to pick FSU against um, Florida right now. Florida's the more talented team. And um, it's on the road, Uh, you know, I'm sure I'm still mad at that, too, since since um, Florida didn't have to come to Tallahassee last year. You know, even though that, you know, I know that that was COVID. But still, that means FSU is going to to Gainesville twice without them coming here. But I think I think FSU will be competitive in this one. Um, And who knows, Uh, you know, Florida. Florida, you know, they're ranked high in the preseason, but that's based off of what they did last year, and they lost a lot from last year's team. So, um, I got Florida winning this one, um, 34 27, putting FSU at six and six, um, on the season and putting them in a the bowl, man. You know, and I think if, if we said, hey, man, look, I don't know where the six six wins are going to come from, but you're going to get six and and you're going to make a bowl. I think I would take that right now. No, it's not the standard, but you got to start somewhere after winning three games. Hey, and and winning six games means you doubled your wins from the previous year, you know, and that is progress. You know, that is, you know, proof of of concept to the recruits. You can say, hey, look, man, we doubled our wins uh, from a year ago. And, um, you know, then you can continue to sell the vision. Hey, you, we need you. You know, we need you to come in. You're the difference. If we had you, you know, we could have did this. We could have did that. And I think um, if FSU wins six games, then that will happen and they'll be able to sign the majority of the targets they have left, which are some some difference makers, um, you know. so. But, you know, just the lack of depth um, after the start, starters is a concern for FSU – um, like I said, i like the I like to start on eleven on both sides of the ball. I think special teams will will be better than it was last year. You know it's all about just you know staying as healthy as possible and winning the games that you should win, when you're the more talented team, when you when you're more talented talented than Jacksonville State, when you're more talented than Wake Forest, when you're more talented than Syracuse and Louisville, UMass, Boston College, those are games you have to win. You have to win. The good thing is Mike Novell usually, you know, I think the saying was whenever Mike Novell was in Memphis, he was never outcoached. His teams were, were never not prepared. You know, whenever they lost, usually they were, you know, it, you know, obviously turnovers or anything like that can happen. It was either something turnover-related or the team they were playing just, you know, had better players than them. Hey, and, you know, whenever, whenever you have that, you know, then that's going to happen you know but if FSU can win the games they should win and be competitive in the other losses i think i think it'll be a good season i think it'll be a good season so um but with that i'm going to wrap things up here um again thank you guys so much for the support um you can find us at built for playmakers on all of the major platforms out there um give us five star reviews um like, subscribe, follow us on Twitter. Um, really, really excited to um, to get into the season. You know, I can't wait until Sunday rolls around. Uh, my wife and I, and I know this is kind of sacrilegious, but my wife and I, we're celebrating our 15th uh, wedding anniversary on Thursday. And so we're going to head down to Charleston, hang out for a little bit, but then I'm going to come back Sunday and be able to watch the game from home. So, um, you know, really looking forward to that, looking forward to, to getting away. Uh, get some time from work and come back to see us uh, thanks again and, uh, was, uh, thank you for listening to Believe